It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center, playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. It's 708, 39 degrees on a Saturday morning. This is Lawn and Garden. I'm Walter Reeves, the Georgia Gardener, here to bring a little happiness into your garden by saying today is the day you can get out and plant things. It's been raining for way too long. And if you have backed up your projects about things you want to plant, trees, shrubs, things like that, I promise you, you need to uh, head on down to your local Pike Nursery because they have a very appropriate Pike pick this morning. Mickey Gasway will be with me around 7.35. We'll reveal it then. But I'm just saying, if you're outside the Pike at the time that 7.30 rolls around where we announce what the Pike pick is, it would be nice to be able to know what it is, walk inside, get 20% off. Awesome thing to do. Sylvia is in Alpharetta, Georgia, and joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Sylvia, good morning. Hi. Hi. Thank you for taking my call. Sure, we Sylvia. Have, we have a gardenia bush that we grew from cuttings. It's about four feet high. Wow. It's absolutely gorgeous, beautiful foliage, but it has not bloomed. Do you think it will bloom? Yeah, I do, because flowering plants... I mean, you, you may appreciate the smell and the look of the gardenia flower, but the gardenia itself is trying to reproduce itself. That's the only reason it has for flowering, is to reproduce itself, have some seeds. And so it'll do its best as soon as it's able to bloom. It will certainly bloom as soon as it's able. And the cuttings may have a sort of a slowly growing root system, and the gardenia is thinking, I don't know if I can bloom using this these few roots, but eventually I'll bet bet money that it's going to bloom, yeah. Okay. Okay. Can I ask you one more question? Yeah, sure. Why not? Uh, can I move daylilies now, or is it? Oh too yeah, late? perfect time. Perfect time oh, for moving daylilies, any daffodils, uh, peonies, anything you got that uh, the leaves are about to turn brown on. My peonies, of course, have all been cut away. The leaves have been taken off of that, but some of my daylilies still have a few green leaves on them. But it wouldn't hurt them at all to move them this weekend. Okay, that's great. Thank you. Another example of giving somebody else a job to do that maybe I will or maybe I won't for my own daylilies. We'll see about that, Sylvia. Okay. Thanks for calling. We got, let's see, Pat is in Russell Mill. Where is Pat? Pat, where are you from? Uh, It's West Smyrna. It's Russ Mill. Russ Mill. I don't know if I've ever passed through the fine community of Russ Mill, but I'll try to put it on my calendar. The only sign's covered bridge, so. Okay. What's up, Pat? What do you need? I need to know when I need to put Mill Organite on my blueberries. I got three different varieties, mm-hmm. and um, I remember you told me two years ago when I planned on the when to do them. But I, I can't. I think it was once during the winter, then once right before they fruit, and then maybe once after. Yeah. One of the great things that I don't know that everyone understands about Mill Organite, the fertilizer, which is the activated and sterilized sewage sludge from uh, Milwaukee, but the way that it releases its nutrients, we always refer to it as a slow-release fertilizer, right. Mill Organite, slow-release, which is what blueberries and, and azaleas and rhododendrons and all those really, really appreciate having a slow-release fertilizer. But the way that it releases the nutrients is bacteria in the soil actually have to break it down. They break it down into a, another compound that turns into nitrogen eventually, and then the plant roots can absorb it. So that said, you can put Mill Organite on your blueberry plants just about any time during the year, and the bacteria and other things that are in the soil that decompose it, changing it finally into the nitrogen that the plant wants, 
they'll do it when the soil is the right temperature. Right now, it's cooling off. We all know that. Right. So you can put milorganite out there. Some of it will still be around in the spring when the blueberry roots are beginning to grow and looking around for something to eat. So I think my advice really is going to be do it sometime in first of February before anything is really happening on the blueberries when the buds are just turning pink on the branches. So do it once in February, another application sometime in Let's go to May for that application, sometime in May or maybe very early, early June. And the bacteria in the soil, as I say, will sort of limit and and work when the soil temperatures are right, but it'll be right there. The fertilizer right there for them to start eating and then releasing the releasing the nitrogen that the blueberry needs. So let's go earlier in the spring, like February, then later in the spring or very early summer, sometime May, June. Okay. Well, great, Walter. Um, I've got one other question. What's that? A friend of mine gave me some of these little red peppers for about an inch long. They're real hot. All right. And uh, what I wanted to do, I've got enough of them left. I'd like to cut them open and harvest the seeds. Uh-huh. How would I dry those seeds, and how would I prepare them if I wanted to plant them next spring? Yeah, bottom line, if it is a mature pepper, one that has completely fertilized seeds inside of it, uh, you know, you hold it until it sort of turns wrinkly and looks like it's not worth much, and then you open up, and the seeds should be prepared for planting and germination in your garden next spring. So if it's a real, what can I say, a a real juicy pepper right now, I would let it dry out some more. If it's dried out and wrinkly and looks like it's on its last legs, it's probably gone as far as it can to prepare the seeds for planting. And you just open it up with a knife and scrape the seeds out, put them on a styrofoam plate and let them dry for a couple, three weeks more, and then put them in an envelope and put a note on it, open this up in April. All right. Well, listen, thanks, Walter. Right. Tell your mom I said hi. Thank you, Pat. I appreciate Thank that. You. Thank you, sir. Bye. I went to see my mother down in Fayetteville this past weekend and noticed that um, I noted this on, on Facebook that her Confederate rose is blooming its head out. It is looking so good. All those pink and white flowers all over her Confederate rose are looking awesome. And uh, posted that on Facebook so that everybody else could appreciate it as well as me. And it's got several notes from uh, other gardeners saying, yeah, this has been a great year for Confederate rose. It's doing fabulously well. Phyllis is out in Lovejoy and joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Phyllis, good morning. Hey, hey, Walter. What's up? I need to know if it is going to destroy my crepe myrtle tree, and this is a tree, not a bush. Uh-huh. If I have it pruned down in late November, mid-December, it is towering over my roof. It mm. is up you know, near the side of the house. It's becoming an eyesore. I would love to have it pruned down as soon as possible. Will it destroy the the crepe myrtle if I do this? I don't know how crepe myrtles manage to survive some of the crepe myrtle murdering chops that I see around Atlanta. I saw somebody last week who had a chainsaw doing almost exactly what you're describing. They were cutting a crepe myrtle that was probably 10 or 12 maybe feet high down to about 4 feet high, and they were right into the trunk. And I thought to myself, that that hurts to see it, but the honest truth is very likely that crepe myrtle will bloom again next year on sprouts that it makes in in the spring of next year. And it won't destroy it. It won't hurt it. It will only hurt my feelings as I walk past it or drive past it, seeing it being pruned so so severely. So to answer your question in the in the truth, I guess, Phyllis, is no, it's not going to destroy it. No, it won't kill it. It will probably re-sprout from whatever place you cut it, and it'll just be down low, and one or two or three of those sprouts will try to go tall because evidently the the plant wants to be as tall as it is right now. But if you cut it down and need to do that, you could do it. It won't hurt the plant particularly at all. 
It has never been pruned in the many, many years that I have lived here. I have another one that's near the corner of my house that is just as tall, if not taller. I am not touching that one. Okay. Um, But, but yes, thank you so much. This this will be helpful, and I will feel bad, but I won't feel terribly guilty. (laughs) You're probably not going to kill it. You won't have that guilt to deal with. Enjoy your weekend. Thanks again. Thanks for calling, fellas. We've got Ron on the line in Smyrna. Join us, Ron. Hey, man, good morning. Hey, Walter, how you doing? I'm all right. What's up? I've got a um, Yoshino cherry that's uh, probably 18, 20 years old, and just noticed it's got a lot of, I think it's called conks mm. on the side of it, that's yeah. going way up the trunk, on all, almost all the way around the tree, and I'm right. wondering if that's uh, going to be the end of that cherry tree. Uh, you get one of my one-word answers. Yes. <laughs> it is eventually. I mean, what the conks, the mushroom like shelf like things coming out of the trunk, what they indicate is that there is something rotting or some fungus that's rotting, decomposing the interior part of the tree. Okay. And so the conks are just where that fungus has decided to bloom and it's attached to the outside of the of the bark there, sure. But the fungus that's inside that the conch is a is an indicator for is going to eventually weaken the limb, weaken the tree, weaken the trunk and everything's gonna fall down. Yeah, I noticed last year uh, it looked like it, the leaf uh, population was declining, yeah. and it was dropping quite a few limbs on it. Yeah, it's. I mean, you can keep it as long as you want to, as long as you don't park your car underneath it, uh, but eventually it's going to fail, and I'm thinking sooner rather than later. Okay. I figured it would. Yeah. All right, I appreciate it. All right, Ron. Thanks for calling. See you, bye. Let's see, do we have time? No, we got 717. All right, in the next half hour, we'll have John in Covington that wants to talk about when to put his poinsettias in the dark to make them change color. We'll talk to John about that. Carol's in Marietta. Needs a little more advice on how to make calla lily seed pods and what to do with them until spring when she wants to plant them outside. And then Kim in Atlanta also has a question about using Roundup at certain temperatures. Is it better in the cold, better in the warm temperatures? We'll answer that as well. Our phone number, 404-872-0750. We'll be back after this. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, truck mellish weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves, the lawn and garden advice you need. And a quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. What a difference a week makes. Last Saturday, if you remember, it was raining cats and dogs all over Atlanta. This Saturday, look outside the window today. It is, yes, it is sunny. It's going to be sunny all day long. The temperatures are not going to rise a lot, so you might bundle up a little before you go outdoors. But nonetheless, the temperatures will be in the, let's call it low 60s this afternoon. And tonight, no rain. Overnight lows dropping down to the mid-30s. Your full weekend forecast comes up in 10 minutes on News 95.5 AM 750 WSB. Carol is up in Marietta and joins us on Lawn and Garden. Carol, good morning. Hey, Walter. Hey. Hey. Um, I, I want to know about these calla lily seeds. Um, do I, when I plant, I need to, I can keep them till spring, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, is the garage an okay place to put them in the meantime? As long as it's not freezing, freezing, terribly cold, I guess is the right answer. You don't want to put the calla lily seeds in a real warm place because that starts a process inside the seeds that never will finish and they won't germinate very well. And if you put them in a garage that's unheated and it gets really cold in there, like down to the 25 degrees when Kirk is saying it's about 15 outside, that's not good either. Okay. So let's find me a place that has a moderate temperature, somewhere between... 40 and 65 or so would be just fine to store the calla okay. seeds. Okay. And so when I plant them, do I, do I put them in like individual little pots 
um, to start them and then put them out or just go ahead and put them in the ground? You know, you can do it either way. I don't think it matters particularly. I myself would probably, if I had a nice sunny place that was easy for me to look after and water occasionally, I would probably put them in the ground myself. They sprout pretty readily. This will be a couple of weeks maybe after you plant them before the sprouts come out of the ground. But yeah, I think I would go ahead and plant them in the ground. No real need to put them into a little pot unless you just want to do it to have them on the windowsill. Okay, and just do it in the spring when, when there's no more chance of frost. Oh yeah, yeah, it's got to be after the middle to the late part of April. Probably the first of May would be a better, safer time to put them out because you just don't want the soil to be cold when you put it in, and May is about the time the soil starts to warm up. All right. Sounds great. Thanks a lot, Walter. You bet. Thanks for calling, Carol. All right. A lot of people don't know that calla lilies do have seed pods, and when they emerge, it's like, wow, look at that. Where did that come from? Um, But they have a sort of a pod-like thing, and it looks looks vaguely like a skinny hand grenade (laughs) is what it looks like. So a skinny hand grenade, if it appears on on your calla lily, that is the seed pod, little round blonde sort of seeds inside. You can, again, open that up, as Carol and I. Uh, discussed and save them in a place that has moderate temperatures during the wintertime. Plant them in early May of next year. And if you have the right conditions and hold your hold your nose just right, then you'll get a nice bunch of cow lily plants you can spread around your landscape. Mickey Gasway will be with me at 735 this morning. You sure want to stay tuned for that because she's going to announce something that'll be really, really nice. Big sale at Pike Nursery. Right now it's 727. We'll be back after news. Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center, playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. It's 7.35 on a Saturday morning, 39.5 degrees outside. A little chilly if you go outside today, but at least it's not raining. This is the Lawn and Garden Show. I'm Walter Reese, 404-872-0750, the number you can dial to get your garden questions answered. And we're going to give away the weekend prize pack right now just before we have our talk with Mickey Gasaway. So, where are we going to win? Ashley Frasca is thinking of a number between 2 and 7 to determine who will win a pair of tickets to see The Cure in concert. Now, catch this. June 24th, 2016, at Aaron's Amphitheater in Lakewood, and a pair of tickets to see Il Devo, September 24th, 2016, at Cobb Energy Center, presented by Live Nation. So if your calendar is clear for June 24th next year and September 24th next year, then call me on the contest line, 404 741 And Ashley, what is the caller going to be? What number caller? Caller number three. Caller number three, 404 It's always my pleasure on a Saturday morning to to meet and talk about gardening with Mickey Gazaway. Mickey, good morning. Good morning. Are you loving this weather or it's not? It's perfect planting weather for a lot of shrubs and trees and things like that. And you sent me a note earlier in the week and said, it's going to be conifers this weekend. And so I did a Facebook posting telling everybody, 
check out the sale at Pike. This is the perfect time to plant oh, the good conifers. For you. Yeah, it's great. It's I was looking at um, my deodar the other day. It yeah. looks so pretty, and that's a great one. If you need, if you like that mountainy look, that's a beautiful <laughs> one to use. So you got the you deodar got cedar. You got arborvitae, cryptomeria. What else? Um, the camisiparis. Right. We've got this beautiful Carolina blue sapphire um, cypress. Mm-hmm. We've got all kinds. of Really pretty kind. And this is the perfect time to plant because the soil temperatures are on the cooling side right now. There's not a lot of watering needed because we've got the soil is pretty well saturated right now. And plus, plus, if you're at my house, you amend the soil. Oh, yes. And if you amend the soil, it's not so hot outside. <laughs> I heard the conversation earlier, and I had to do my counter for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think you need to amend it. Well, I, I mean, everybody has their own opinion. Everybody has their own I opinion. Took agronomy classes, and if you've had, and you, you, you have too, you've yep. seen how clay looks under a microscope. It's flat. Yep, yep. And Packs when together. you wet it down, I, I encourage everybody to do an experiment. Put some, break up some clay, put it in a baggie, put holes in the or put it in something. Pour water through it and see if it doesn't get hard. <laughs> so what Mickey's but referring to is the discussion that can put some amendment in there uh-huh. and open it up, uh-huh. open it up, put some chunky pieces in there, and it'll do much, much better. But research doesn't show the actual effect of adding amendments to clay soil when you have house. trees. It does at Mickey's Well, house. you have a special thing. Both ways. It does at Larry's house. My bosses got his head over there saying, does it my <laughs> What about Stan's house, your husband's house? Does it work better? Well, of course it does. <laughs> of course. Of course it does. Well, nonetheless, science does not say that adding amendments to the soil for trees and woody plants does much of anything good for them. Loosening the soil. Oxygen, that's what you need. And I guess because clay packs together with little flat little pieces yes. that it doesn't admit mm-hmm. much oxygen. Yeah, I think most of that research was done someplace where they have good, nice soil. But maybe so. Well, let's <laughs> let's go back and reiterate what the Pike Pick is this weekend. Twenty percent off. Conifers. They are beautiful. Yeah, and so anything's got a needle on it, or camisiparis, or little sort of sprays, arborvitae, uh, Leland cypress. For goodness' sakes, be sure you read the label on these conifers because many of them get bigger than that's you think exactly they will. Right. I think that uh, those camisiparis. You know they. I see so many of those, that little gold mop and yeah. some of those, and they're planted right in the front, and they've gotten very large. So. And I have a slide that I showed during my uh, presentation about when bad things happen to good gardeners, and it is two Leland Cypress, both of which are about 40 feet high that somebody planted next to their garage <laughs> in the gosh. corner of the house. They're way too big for that situation. That's right. So read the labels and... Know what you're buying, know what their maximum height and width is going to be, plant them appropriately, and choose whether you want to put the amendment in the soil or not. Mickey and I are divided on the situation. Any classes going on at Pike this weekend? No classes today. We've got one next week. We don't have any this week. So we better tell everybody because many times we announce a class and it's about 15 minutes until it starts. it's going to be a winter herb. Oh, good. Because there are a lot of herbs that do really well in the winter. My, my herb garden, of course, the basil's gone, but yeah. everything else, most everything in my yard, mine looks pretty good. Yeah, thyme, oregano, uh, rosemary, all of those are perfectly oh, winter hardy. Yeah. Sage, getting ready for Thanksgiving. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. That'll be good. Well, yeah. Mike, Mickey, i got to get out of okay, here. One, but more thing, one more thing I've got to say. Go dogs. Uh-huh, because we're playing we're Auburn. Auburn. And right. the other thing is Roll Tide. Roll Tide. Mickey, it's great talking That's to you. If we, want, if we wanted to find where your local Pike Nursery is in relation to your own house, where would we look? At Pike.
Of course. I'll see you next weekend. See you soon. Bye. Mickey Gasway. Again, conifers, 20% off all Pike Nursery stores. Tell the cashier this is the Pike Pick, so she or he will know to cut off the 20%. But it is a perfect time, perfect time to plant coniferous plants. John is out in Covington, and John joins us on Lawn and Garden. Yes. Hey, John. How you doing, bud? Hey, man, I'm fine. What's up? Um, Great. Um, I've just been wondering. I used to work for Sarah Groves and everything. (laughs) Oh, yeah, sure. You know Sarah Groves? Of course, of course. Unfortunately, she's not with us anymore. Right. So what's your question, John? I I, I worked for her, and she worked for Six Flags for a long time and did all her stuff and all kind of stuff. But anyway, I'm just interested in about... What happens with those plants? With with poinsettias, you mean? Pardon me. You said, what plants are you referring to? Poinsettias. Yeah. So what do you need uh, to know how, about how, them? How you turn them from actually mine are completely green, right? And I need to put them in the closet or something, right? Don't I? But right. For right. how long? Well. Most people want poinsettias for Christmas, and you, Brother John, are a little late for getting the poinsettias to turn red for Christmas. It's going to be it's going to be Groundhog Day. It's going to be February. Are you serious? I am serious, John. The time to put the poinsettia in the in the dark and light, dark and light to, to cause it to bloom uh, is uh, back in early September. September is about the right time to start that. Maybe it's, it's a chlorophyll thing. Isn't yeah, it? it's a chlorophyll thing. So and honestly. You know what, um, Sarah Groves was a really good friend of Jane Vass, too. Yeah, yeah sure. There's As a, a matter of fact, I've got some of her roses. There was a woman yeah. named uh, Nancy Beckemeyer, another part of that sort of class of landscapers in Atlanta, female landscapers in Atlanta, all of whom did great work. Jane Bath had plants named after her, and uh, Sarah Groves, a wonderful landscape designer, she sure was. But, John, let's go back to the poinsettia, and i got to get out to after I give you the advice. But basically, to make a poinsettia, change color. You start around the first to the middle of September, putting it in dark, complete dark, then and then bringing it out into the sunlight about... 10 hours a day of sunlight and 14 hours worth of darkness and eventually it'll start making little flowers and the flowers will cause the bracts to turn color and that usually happens about six or seven weeks eight weeks maybe after you put it in the dark but right now here we are almost the middle of november and uh i think they're not going to change color until february sad to say brother john next year we'll do it right okay it's uh kim stern kim is in atlanta and joins us on lawn and garden Hey, Kim, good morning. Hey, thanks for taking my call. Uh, You know, it's been so wet the last few weeks that it hasn't been good to go outside and do a lot of gardening. And I have some grass and a little bit of brush that I need to um, put some Roundup on. Mm -hmm. And I know it works through mechanisms through the leaves, but is it temperature dependent at all? Yeah, it is, because you're exactly right. The way that Roundup works is to stop the particular production of a protein that plants have that mammals do not have. And when it stops that protein from being uh, uh, manufactured in the leaf, then the leaf dies, the plant dies, the Roundup has done its work. So the chemical reaction inside the plant leaf, yes, is probably faster and makes a quicker kill, I guess. When temperatures are above 55 or 60 degrees, and now the temperatures are, what, 39 degrees right now outside, it's going up into the 60s this afternoon, so you will get some reaction. The Roundup will do its work, but it'll take longer for you to see much damage on the grass you're trying to kill. Okay. But it will work. It will work. Absolutely. It will work. I think the 
you know, I, I don't have any research at the tip of my fingers to say this is true, but my bet is that at temperatures in the 20s, it probably will not work very well at all. It'll decompose no. before it does anything bad to the plant. No, okay. All right, well, thank you very much. It's great talking to you, Kim. Thanks for calling. Bye. We've got Nick up in Woodstock. Nick, Nick has a big job in front of him today. Hey, Nick, good morning. Good morning, Walter. Thanks for taking my call. So what are you contemplating? First time caller. Yeah, man. So. Well, it's easy. You just pick up the phone, you dial the numbers, and it, it is closed. easy. How about that? How can um, I help? I have a, uh, from the previous owners of the house I'm in, they put a Japanese maple in, in the backyard. It's about as tall as I am, probably about a four to five inch diameter trunk. Mm-hmm. And I, it's just in a bad spot for me. Mm. It's right up next to the sunroom that they had built. <laughs> I mean, right up next to it. Right. And I want to move it, but I've heard that they're so delicate, you shouldn't move it. Then I've heard move them in the fall, mm-hmm. move them in the spring. I don't know what to do because I have so many different answers, but since I listen to you and trust <laughs> you, I'm going to go with your answer. All right. I know what to do. Here's my answer. You say it's about six feet tall, Nick? Roughly, yes. And about how wide do you think it is? Um, probably a. About the same or a little less. All right, that sounds. Like the, the diameter is probably on the, of the trunk, like four to five inches. Right. I think you can do it. I think the Japanese maple is a much tougher plant than we give it credit for. I've got one near my house growing in full sun that I never would have thought a Japanese maple could take full sun. Yet there it is, happy as it can be, changing colors every winter, and this looks great. So I think that even at six feet, you can do it. And the other thing that's really advantageous right now is that you have all this saturated soil around the roots. The roots are holding as much water as they possibly can because it's been raining for so long. So that gives it an advantage of the roots are not screaming for moisture and the leaves are going to be falling off if they haven't already fallen off. And so I think you can do it today. Dig as much as wide of an area as you can and try to loosen roots individually, trying not to chop any of them off. You can use a, I don't know, a spading fork would do well for this. And uh, try to just loosen everything. And it may be, if you're strong or maybe you have a buddy that's real strong too, the two of you around the trunk of that tree could just pull it sort of bare root out of the ground. And if you have another place, it's better for it to be planted and it's ready to accept the tree. Then you just sort of drag it across the yard to the new place and put it in, cover the roots with soil. And the Japanese maple next spring wakes up when it warms up in April and says, oh, okay, I'm over here now, but I got a lot more sunshine and they got some roots. And I don't think it's going to show much damage at all. Okay, well, good. You you answered my next question there. Make sure I get it more sunshine because it gets a lot of shade in the backyard. Yeah, yeah. That's why it's I'm, not as big as the other. I'm still cautious about saying put Japanese maples in full, full sunshine, but I have seen enough growing happily in full sunshine to know that they can, given a good sized root system to absorb moisture during the during the hot part of the summertime. Uh, I have a friend with a coral bark maple that has a real pink um, bark on it. Gorgeous plant, full sun, doing fine. There you go. So yours will grow, I think, better in the sunshine than it will in the shady places you have it now. I appreciate that. I'll take your advice and go for it and let you know how it goes in the spring. All right, Nick. Thanks for calling. Thank you. Well, it's time for Well, Tony, we can't do you quite yet because we have to take our little break right now. We'll be back to Tony in a minute to talk about the white mold on the leaves on his indoor plants. We'll be right back after this. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellish weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. 
Now back to Walter Reeves, the lawn and garden advice you need. With a quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. Bottom line, a very pleasant day outside. Sunny day all day long. Temperatures will be in the, let's call it low 60s this afternoon. Low tonight in the mid-30s. Your full weekend forecast comes up in 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. We don't have time for any more calls. This is a short show today. I didn't say that enough, but today the Bulldog pregame show begins at 8 o'clock, so we got to get out of here for the good sportscasters to take over. But it's been a great Saturday morning, including talking to the lovely, the talented Miss Ashley Frasca, who did such a good job while I was away in Cuba hosting the show, and also Scott Maxson, who found a song with the word shotgun in the lyrics, which I think was pretty impressive this morning. You can follow me on Twitter. You can follow me on Facebook. Facebook, the Georgia Gardener on Facebook, at Walter Reeves on Twitter. You can subscribe to my newsletter at my website, WalterReeves.com, up in the right-hand corner. Just click on that. You get a free every two-week newsletter that will tell you a lot about gardening and solve questions that you might have. I will see you right here next Saturday morning for another edition of Lawn and Garden. We will see you then.